0: Scott Fitzpatrick welcome to the gaff podcast this podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space it's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice it's the stuff they don't teach you at uni it's where value sits so buckle in volume up let's go welcome to another gaff podcast my name is Scott Fitzpatrick Great to have Brian Fitzpatrick here. No relation, of course, but my spiritual guru in all things emotional. I'm very very wary of the guru status, (laughs) I can tell you. Just an ordinary man trying his best. (laughs) Ah, Very good. So listen, we're going to talk about the power of frameworks, power of mastery, uh, learning stages and how we use frameworks with clients and and why do we use frameworks. But I suppose I wanted to start with uh, a couple of podcasts ago, I talked about A particular client and where advisors typically stop or cap out in the advice framework, you know, sort of business. Because most clients or most new clients, advisors are looking at, well, where are their funds under management? Where are their supers? Where's, you know, what's the financial planning needs? And in this particular client, we had to deal with a family in business situation, which led us to forming an advisory board which led us to sorting out estate issues and family constitutions, which led us to uh, mergers and acquisitions inside the business, securing the CEO, which then um, led us to how do we create the right culture inside the business. So there's lots of different stop points along the way where advisors may cap out, but I was able to use a whole bunch of these frameworks along the way to deliver a lot of value to the client. My question to you, Brian, is why would we use frameworks?
1: Well, frameworks are, um, are really just a, a picture, a way of um, seeing what's going on. So when I'm able to present a framework to somebody, the purpose is not for me to tell them where they are in their stage of, of life. It is that the, the framework is there and they go, oh, that's where I am. And, you know, I use the phrase becoming present to their own truth about any situation. And frameworks are contextual, which means that they're big picture uh, and that somebody can identify, um, you know, their current position, but it also helps us look at, well, what might be, if that's the current reality, what might a desired reality look like if the current reality wasn't what they want? So it's that, you know, it's that sense of gaining self-awareness and real, Personal clarity about the situation, rather than being told.
0: Great. So, what I want to do is narrow in in this podcast on one particular one, which is called the wheel of life. And there's two parts. This one is the wheel of life personally that I use in front of clients, and the second one is the wheel of life for an advisor. Do you want? To, can you walk us through this concept? Sure. So,
1: when we talk about um, a wheel, this is a, this is really about. Um, balance, and you understand that um, if you have a balanced wheel that it rolls beautifully, yeah, it covers the ground that it's meant to cover. Um, If you had a push bike and had a number of broken spokes, yeah, or it had flat flat spots in the the wheel, then it'd be a bumpy ride. And so there are many, many frameworks. There are health frameworks, there are financial frameworks, there are um, relationship frameworks, um, all built around the, the concept of a wheel. The generic one we use is just for people to, to gain a bit of an understanding or a, um, a visual of where they are. And we just um, do it by just building, you know, a, much like an asterisk, but eight sided spider diagram, eight arms to it. Um, and in those, we just label those. So it could be, for instance, um, the, the wheel of advice, uh, wheel of life that we use for the generic one starts off with finances. And then the second arm um, of that is around, um, is around your social life. The third one is the emotional part. The fourth one is spiritual. The fifth one is career. The sixth one is around relationship. Uh, the se- seventh one is around physicality, your, your body. And then the, third one, the last one is called the third place, which is um, not work and not home. And what we do is, is if we label that, um, that spider diagram and the intersection of those lines is a zero, and the furthest part is a 10, 10 being the best, we then are able to go in and um, mark how that looks. So, for instance, if I was looking at the moment at mine and I went...
0: um, Sorry, just for those people driving along, I want them to visualise while they're listening to this podcast, but keep an eye on the road. Oh, okay. So, yes, so if you're
1: driving, (laughs) (laughs) that's right. And it's very much, if you visualise, it's a bit like a... um, a dartboard, yep. Yeah, but it's only got eight areas, not 20. And then I'll go and I'll, I will um, make a, uh, a gut reaction to the score out of 10. So it could be that my finances are about an eight, and that is I'm earning enough money, um, debt's under control, um, my mortgage is going well, I've got my insurances in place and all those sorts of things. And then I'll look at the, the physicality. Do I have the energy to be able to do the things that I want to do? So I'll rate my um, my physical. Then I'll go around to the emotional and go, am I using my emotions constructively? Um, and it's not just about being happy, but it's about being able to um, check in with my emotions and use them to help me make decisions. I look at my spirituality, and it, that doesn't mean religion, but it might. sometimes I find that my spiritual one gets a little bit low, uh, gets into a five or a six. Um, and that, that means about bringing meaning to my life. And sometimes I think I get so caught up in just doing business that I forget the importance of, of me in the world. Um, so it's not about religion, but it's about gaining meaning. Um, and I know that when I you know, um, meditate, when I take some time to, to um, indulge in some solitude and silence, that my spirituality goes out a little bit more. And then also my career. So how's that going at the moment? Um, checking in with that and sometimes you know people's careers are fine and some people at times they're bored and sometimes they're they're struggling um looking at relationship too um are you just um going through the motions of relationship and living uh parallel lives or are you actually engaged with your primary partner and then also with your children and on it goes around and in the third place is is that as we say that that place where it's not work and it's not home, but it's where I go to regenerate my soul and my spirit. Um, and for me, that's on my paddleboard. It's riding through the bush. It's, it's walking um, you know, in the rainforest. And it's also playing my ukulele and things like that. So a little bit of me time that makes me a better person when I indulge
0: in that. Isn't it funny that people often think that they, they say work-life balance? Hmm.
1: Rather that's... the life balance. Yes. Yeah, of which work is one of the, one of the important <laughs> parts, but not the only important part. So I, I encourage people not to put that uh, work first, you know, because it's a, a subconscious thing that says work's more important than the rest of my life, mm. and it isn't, you know. Um, you know, there's that old cliche, have you ever known anyone that was lying on the deathbed and said, I wish I spent more time <laughs> it's in the office? You know? yeah. So it is about, um, you know, leading a richer life. And what happens is when people do this and then they join the dots around, um, you know, it might be a seven on finances and then a five on physicality, you can notice that the wheel then has some flat spots. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone that's had a perfect 10 around on every one of them at any one time. And the reason is, is because balance, life balance is a dynamic concept. We don't get it fixed and set and it stays there because circumstances change. And so it's always moving in and out. Um, but I think you know what, what's powerful is when somebody can see the flat spot on their wheel and go, Ooh, Now, do I choose to do anything about that or not? And it could be the physicality one, and they go, well, yep, I've got to change my diet. Great. There's there's an observation from the framework that lets them know. And and the reason we do it too, Scott, is that because sometimes we just, in our busy lives, we don't actually sit down and check in and reflect on where we are in life and what's happening. Um, I always find that, you know, people that have a, a milestone birthday... So that might be a 30 or a 40 or a 50 or in my case next time a 70. Look back and go what happened to the last 10 years mm-hmm. and we because we've been on autopilot so I like to do my wheel of life about every fortnight and just checks in with um you know making some choices around things and really interestingly you know one thing will affect another so if I go and spend some time in my third place and I get a little bit of solitude and a little bit of stillness my spirituality goes up as well when I spend some time um, in the physical and I, I, I actually get fit, my confidence goes up on the emotional side. You know, I feel better. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, the, what they say is one of the key ingredients to dealing with depression and, and, um, and mental illness is fitness. Yeah, it is one of the things that people can control, the amount of exercise that they do. It's an important
0: one and it does influence a lot of others. But Brian, I'm a financial advisor. Why would I want to use this wheel of life with a client? It's almost a question to myself, by the way. Well, you answer it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it all starts with awareness, and you know, if I it starts with awareness, but also take us back again. What are clients expecting of us? They want us to think about all of their issues, not just financial. Sure. They want to, you know, a game plan for life.
1: Which other, which other of their advisors? Would slow down long enough for them to be able to put forward a framework where they could reflect on where they were in life. Very few other your doctor doesn't. No. You're in and you're out. Yep. Your accountant, you're in and out. You know. And so you know the advisor has that opportunity. Um, and I loved you know one of the previous podcasts where Mike Bennett from Western Australia talked about um, bringing a, um, a skill set of life coaching, he went and did a life coaching course as well as his financial advising course because he could see that those two um, were married up. And one of the things we talk about when we talk about mastery, mastery is about adding things to something, uh, you know, and when we talk also about genius, genius, there's very few new things happening, yeah? But genius is about bringing two ideas that shouldn't match and bringing them together. And so, you know, bringing a framework like a, um, a Wheel of Life to a financial meeting doesn't necessarily seem to match, but it acts, it's the act of genius, yeah, because they can see then that um, if you can help me um, build the life that I want and you can help me bankroll that, then that's a great addition to my life.
0: Oh, look, I, 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 I use this not daily with clients, but, you know, at least three times a week when I'm sitting down with existing clients, when I'm sitting down with new clients, because it helps make decisions. It brings awareness to my finances might be great. I've got, you know, doing really, really well and my asset base is great, but my relationship with my kids is terrible mm. or my kids are dysfunctional or whatever it could be. Mm. Where do we need to spend some time and how do I, as an advisor, put my best of breed team around you? Yeah, and, and I hear that from a
1: lot of advisors and that is, well, I'm not a counselor or I'm not this or that. No, you're not, but you need to know someone, yeah? And what, what a framework like this does too is that if you can dive deeper into, um, you know, the emotional and spiritual part of a person's life, it builds trust. And then yeah. if you refer them to a counsellor or to a, um, a family lawyer or somebody, yeah, they already trust that person because you've, you've, they trust you, yeah? We often say that a referral is a transfer of trust. And so doing these frameworks builds trust and then you can then get the other people around, your best of breed team in, in helping that, that world of collaborative advice.
0: If I bring you back to that client example, which was my, my client's career or business, he was spending you know, 80 hours a week in there. Yeah? And all the rest of the finances were okay, but all the rest of the wheel was looking pretty poor. That helped initiate, lead the conversation to, we need a succession plan for you inside the business, we need to make sure that your CEO is engaged, and we need to build an advisory board around your business to free up your time to spend the other time in these areas. Yeah. but as a young advisor, you
1: wouldn't have seen that opportunity. Wouldn't have seen it. You know, no. and, and that phrase that we say, you know, if you if you aren't a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. You know, so if you're a um, if you're a mortgage broker, then every client that comes to you is a mortgage client. Yeah. yeah? What you've done is to build mastery. And and that is, you know, one of the the things we talk about in mastery is to be a master is to have changed often. Listen to that again, to be a master is to have changed often. And I've watched your career move from, you know, your your old days of, you know, um, basic advice through to much, much more of um, this project management style of advice that you do that makes such a difference. Now, that's required you to change. It's required you to go and learn new things um, and I think that's a, um, a critical factor in the the new world of professional advice is that we need to know um, about a lot more things so that we can help people on a, on a um, more holistic level.
0: Yeah that's interesting, we need to know a lot more things. Now we're going to do the advisor wheel of life in a but minute. But if I can
1: just hold you up there. Um, so, there's there's the thing about um, whether we have a broad scope of advice or we or we try a niche. Where do you think that lead advisor is? Is it a, is it broad or is it a niche?
0: Hmm. It's a it's a niche skill. It's a niche uh, market that needs a broad skill set. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And, and in lots of ways, it is the development of a new profession, yeah, coming out of financial advice, yeah. Um, and that's why I like Mike Bennett's thing about, you know, I'm going to bring some life life coaching skills into that, or business coaching skills or whatever. Because it, it, it does require that that sense of mastery. And you know, mastery is not a function of talent. It's a function of focus, you yeah? know, I, I, I want to focus on something new now, I want to focus on adding. Um, You know, I mentioned to you before, you know, that concept of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, well, you might have quite an okay business right now. Um, You know, there's also a phrase that says, if it's broke, fix it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of of broken businesses out there that need fixing. Uh, And, you know, but but being able to um, add another string to your bow, and then once that becomes masterful, add another string to your bow and another string to your bow, because I, when I watch you, I don't see you, um, you know, actually doing anything more than showing up and backing your um, metaphorical kit bag to yeah. be able to pull out what you need for, for this client. And, and at least if you don't have all of the knowledge, you have someone that has all of that knowledge yeah, that you trust and you, you're able to make that referral to them.
0: Well, I think that's the essence of the podcast is that we're trying to bring all these frameworks to people. Uh, to bring awareness, to engage with, to practice, to learn, and to start to bring them into their client bases. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: And I think too, you know, when you, you start to work with other professionals in this collaborative advice, they've also got to be somebody who doesn't just have a hammer, a one 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 approach. They need to understand that across a wide range of things too, and then that way they can they can work with you, you know, on a. Uh, and as I've always said, you know, it wouldn't be great if you your financial advisor and your lawyer and your accountant and your, you know, whoever else you, you was part of your um, trust, you know, your trusted advisor were all sitting there out at the table without ego, helping you work out what you wanted in
0: life. Yeah. Hmm. Well, if you just look at that wheel, you know, just a personal one, just to finish that, you know, finances, well, obviously we, we can help around that. But then the physical, you know, who would be in your best of breed team around physical? Is it?
1: Ah, oh, well, it could be a doctor or it could be, yeah. You know, I, we, I know that many of the doctors, uh, many of the the advisors that um, you work with, um, have been referring um, people to a cardiologist. So yeah. that's a physical one. But many others have been referring people to um, fitness trainers. Yeah, so yeah. you
0: need a best of breed team. Then we, you know, spiritual is the same. Who would help you with that context? Social relationships. So you know, as you look around that personal wheel of life, career is a big one. You know, whether it's for a lot of people, they're working too many hours and it's affecting everything else in their life. So how do we sort that out? Um, So let's move on to the advisor wheel of life. So if you're an advisor driving along there and you want to work in this high net world space, successful uh, business owner, you know, what is your comfort zone at the moment? What do you need to learn? And let's just, let's reflect around the wheel. Yeah. Well, I think if we're we're
1: visualizing um, a new dartboard work with eight, yep. with eight sectors of it, on it. Yep. Yep. or a pizza with eight slices, whatever, whatever <laughs> that might look like. But what are the, what are the key areas for um, a lead advisor? Mm-hmm. And you know, I think we're able to nail down a few things around that. One of them is, um, do they have a um, high level of relationship skills and relational intelligence? Can you run a relationship um, that's uh, deeper
0: than just a transactional one Mm-hmm. which is a big thing like it, it's everyone says oh yeah I'm a, I'm a people person yeah. yeah but you
1: know for me I've had um, transactional coaching relationships where um, I've worked with people for two or three sessions but I've got some clients that I've worked with for over 10 years yeah and that relationship um, means that over that time I'm able to um, bring a great deal more tension and by that I mean, Motivation to change for my clients because we've worked so long together. So being able to s- sustain a relationship, we talk about wanting to have clients for a long, you know, for a long time, a lifetime clients. Well, that takes effort mm. and it takes
0: an, a skill set. Well, Brian, just on that point. So this the supposition behind all this is that we're trying to build a advisory practice with low level of numbers, high relationships. Yeah. yeah. Versus having a practice with thousands of clients. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an intention there to be relationship orientated to start with. And you would hopefully agree with me that relationship skills can be learnt, taught.
1: Absolutely they can,
0: yeah, they can. You know, I I spoke to
1: um, six coaches that are in an organisation that work in allied health uh, during the week, and I said to them, how long is it since you've just rung a client and said, how are you, how are you going? As opposed to having the only time you contact them is in a structured coaching yeah, that, that's, that is commercial. How, it's, so making a welfare call to someone is a relational skill. Yeah? How are you? What's going on for you? How was your holiday? Yeah? Without any need for an agenda other than just to connect and relate. Yeah? Love it. Uh, Pre- presentation skills. Yeah. And so, you know, a key ingredient in the work that we do is high level of presentation skills. Uh, and that means um, your ability to be able to own the room, to be able to read the room, to be able to present succinctly without too much um, verbosity, um, being able to, to draw your frameworks up on a whiteboard, uh, to be able to um, <clears throat> get all of your collateral and all of your, you know, you know, your plans and things together in a coherent way. And it, it's, it's not just about standing at the whiteboard, it's about all of the way that you message to people.
0: Mm-hmm. We're, of course, we're old school teachers, we love a whiteboard. But I do believe it's 70% more effective. <laughs> but all statistics are made up. On the well, it is, I mean, the thing about yeah. using a whiteboard and drawing a framework up is it takes
1: time to do. It's not just flashed on a screen and it's automatically there. So I can actually talk through the framework and the person gets to come on the journey with me, yeah? Whilst I'm doing that. So that's a, a really important one. Um, and so the, you know, obviously in terms of um, the trust equation, and we talk about you know credibility, needing to be credible. So the technical skills, but you know, what would you say are the, the key technical skills that are needed in this lead advisory
0: work? So there's an assumption there that technical skills are that you're a financial planner or advisor to date. So you're going to have skills around investment. Insurance, estate planning, asset protection. That would be your base level required. Then you're going to need education, training around some of those higher level concepts, whether it's family charters, family constitution, advisory boards, uh, succession planning, different types of equity plans, mergers and acquisitions. There's a whole you don't need to be in the in the detail of it, but you need to be across a broader range of subjects. So how
1: did, you, how did you go about learning about all of those things, you know, given that you, you came from you know, pretty much a sales background in, in financial advice when you first started selling insurance? How did you get to, to develop those technical skills? What did you do? Um,
0: probably two or three things. I hung around with people who were doing it. Yep. <laughs> I hung around with people who were doing it. And then I researched, I read, read it, and then I practised it, and I practised it, and I practised it. Mm. But then I learnt along the way by taking a client through the process, bringing them over to the right lawyer, perhaps, who was doing family constitutions. And I learnt about them. Mm. Um, I formed my own advisory board for our business. And I learnt about advisory boards and governance. And I saw the need for it. I went and did the Institute of Company Directors. I did the chairman's course, by the way. It was a shorter one. <laughs> but I, I introduced myself into a whole range of experiences that I would not normally have done. Mm. I got into that, you know, I call it the courage zone, not the comfort zone.
1: Yeah. And there is that, there is that. then that journey towards mastery, of changing. Yeah, changing. Um, and then once mastery is there, you know, the, the stages of learning, and for anyone listening out there, you think, oh, wow, how do I ever do that? Well, the first thing is is what we call the cognitive phase of learning. And that is, I just get an intellectual understanding of, let's say um, it was family constitutions. I get an intellectual understanding. And then the next phase of learning is the associative phase, which is I associate um, attempts, trial and error, and I have a go at it. Yeah? Even if it's just my own, Yeah, I'm associating what that cognitive piece now with reality. And then comes what we call the autonomous phase, And in many of those things, it is about having um, focus and wanting to to learn how to do that and working through the associative phase. Many of us go, well, I tried it and it didn't work, I'm not gonna do it, as opposed to sticking at it, sticking at it and focusing on it until I become a master. And what happens when you're a master is that you can go through and do what's required whilst being able to think about lots of other things, so you know it could be, for instance, if I use a musician and a musician um, who can play the notes, but then once mastery comes, then you can put emotion and feeling and soul and react to audience, all of that whilst your your whilst it. your work on the instrument yep. yeah, yeah is still going on, and that's I think is is really important, as is you know that that idea of. Um, Collaborative advice and probably there's two arms to this collaborative advice, which is being able to egolessly Sit down with other um, with other Professionals to help your client and then also building that best-of-breed team mm-hmm. uh, And that takes real time remember, it's not called the, um, the um, Mediocre team Mediocre, <laughs> mediocre of <laughs> or Best of you know, whatever it is mediocre of team it's not, it's it's the best. And it takes time to go and find people like you that want to be on this journey, yeah. that have a, a growth mindset, a growth mindset which says that I can learn things and I want to try new things. And if you can find accountants and lawyers and, and other people like that that, that want to do That's that.
0: It's probably the number one question I get asked about, how do you build your best and team? But we'll, we'll cover that in another section. Okay,
1: yeah. And then another, another wheel on this one is your ability to be able to have frameworks. Now, we've been introducing you to frameworks over the last 12 months or so, and that's by no means the end of frameworks, what we have. It's just the ones that we like to use and the ones that, that um, you know, we've either um, recontextualised from somebody else or we've, we've invented ourselves. But your ability to be able to have a framework and, and build a drawing or whatever that is... So that people can see it, that's part of your presentation skills and knowing which one of those is appropriate for each
0: person. That's the skill is when knowing which takes time. When to, when to bring out that framework to help that client get clarity. Mm, for sure. Yep. And I've used just you know on that you know the main ones I use you know the scarf model. I love that model. Profound listening. Pies model. Content context feelings model. Uh, oh. There's a range of them now that. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it would appear seamless mm. um, when I'm presenting them.
1: That's big, yeah, and, and that is mastery though, when it appears, you don't have to think about it, you just, they just come out, you know, and, and again, whether that's stages model or red, blue, black, or um, the chaos to greatness in business, whatever they are, yeah. So those frameworks are really important. And then, you know, um, different to your presentation skills though, is, is your communication, and that is, To be able to um, have that sense of uh, profound listening, as we say, speaking only when you need to. Um, The communication of asking questions and allowing questions that, you know, if you if you ask, if you ask the right question, again, people start to perturbate. They start to get that little sense of um, shift inside them. You know, and your communication skills are so important. And we take it for granted. But I want, I want my advisors not to be overly brilliant at rapport, but far, far greater at trust and depth, you know? And, and rapport, rapport is, is just that, that surface stuff where you get people to like you. Um, I, want to, I want my advisors that I work with is to be able to, to get into the, that deeper con- communication, yeah? The talking down below cliche down into the emotional, down into dreams and, and, and you know, spirituality and all those sorts of things. Now, not every client wants that, yeah? So sometimes we do have to just meet the clients where right. they are. You know, there's a, um, I was talking to some coaches this week and, and explaining to them the platinum rule. And the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The platinum rule is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. In other words, what do they want? Give them that. Yeah. Yeah? And then every now and again, once you've given them that, and you you can then go, okay, so what else can I add and, and bring a little bit more um, you know creative tension to the meeting? And then probably the last one of that on your dartboard there is the project management skills. And I think you'd probably be better
0: to explain it yeah, so than I would. Project management is it's really easy to run one of these clients if you've only got one of them. <laughs> But if you're sitting there with a, you know, you've you've built your practice and you've got 50 successful families that you're looking after, uh, then you really need to have your business set up functionally correct uh, in terms of staffing, in terms of platform, to be able to run the tasks that are necessary to run 50 different families. There's going to be a range of entities, a range of issues. Uh, There's technical issues in there. There's relationship issues. There's just things that need to be done as part of that service offering. So
1: how much of the work that you do is outside of um, an AFSL, you know, sort of... Um, well, it state?
0: varies per client, but I, I assume it's it's going to be between 40 and 60%. You know, it could be 50-50, but it's going to vary depending on the client needs. Mm. But quite a lot of this work, the project management work, uh, you would think doesn't sit inside an AFSL.
1: Hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah, so does
1: that mean that you um, rebrand yourself away from financial advisor?
0: Well, no, I think. See, this well, that's that's another thing. At the, at the heart of it, I'm a financial advisor, but I call this wealth advice, Brian. This is across your total balance sheet. It includes all the family and the family dynamics. Hmm. It's not just what funds you have available to be invested. And maybe, you know, that term for me, financial advisor, maybe you've been bastardised in the past or the future. Uh, but I think wealth advisor more encompasses this role that we do for clients. I call it, you know, sitting on the family board or mm. sitting on the family wealth board. Yeah. Uh, as part of that role, I need a financial advisor in behind me to help do the strategies I need for that client. So
1: a best of breed financial advisor. I need a best
0: of breed financial advisor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more the wealth advisor sitting above that project management. I need a financial advisor in behind me, as I do need the right lawyer and accountant, etc.
1: So we could possibly, we'll easily see that a, a lawyer could become a lead advisor, or an accountant, or a, a business coach. Had, or
0: absolutely could. Mm. Yeah, if they had a yeah. the business set up for it, they had the right skill set, could attract the right client base, and they had the right support team behind them. Mm.
1: And I think too, you know, the most successful businesses I see hire smart. You know, and that is, you know, not only do I have a best of breed team outside of my business, the other professionals, but I need to make sure that my internal team are first graders, A graders, yeah? As opposed to just um, picking anybody to do the job. For sure. Yeah,
0: you know, high skill set within the business. So let's wrap this up. Uh, What we've spoken about is two different frameworks. One for sitting in front of a client, which we think extremely valuable, which is your personal wheel of life, that as you said, you use it yourself every two weeks, I'm probably about once a month, but it's a great one that I use almost in every meeting with a client to start the meeting, their personal wheel of life as a reflection. The second one we've spoken about is the advisor wheel of life. If you want to step into this role, what are the skill sets needed for a Mm. rounded advisor? So it's a really good way for an advisor to look at and go, okay, where do I need to spend some time? What part you know? What part of the tyre to pump? That's
1: in. right. If if I look at and I've got some flat spots in my um, in my lead advisor wheel, then I, that's the that's the opportunity to go and say, well, well, do I want to go and, and develop that? Yeah. And the the more that we can push those, um, you know, the eight spokes of the advisor um, competency wheel out, the more we move move towards that mastery. Mm-hmm. The other thing too, I think, is that. You know, if you think about motivation, the two types of motivation are intrinsic and extrinsic. In extrinsic motivation, says I do this for someone or something else. So, for instance, um, it could be that I'm a, a swimmer and I swim three k's a day because I want um, I want a medal or I want um, I want someone to admire me. Intrinsic motivation says I do this because of the feeling that I get from the self satisfaction from 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 um, living my spiritual purpose. I don't know that I've met too many people that are fully intrinsic, but I think a lot of times we um, tie our success to, um, you know, the, the bottom line and the, um, the turnover or the, you know, the money that we make. Yep. And, and I think when we work in this world of project management and lead advice, it brings up a lot more of that intrinsic motivation that I do mm-hmm. it because it's my way of serving people and helping people.
0: Yeah, I think, well, I'm sure that's definitely correct for me. I've, I felt, you know, many, many years ago when I was selling a product, it was a fairly soulless (laughs) experience. But lucrative. But but lucrative, Mm. yeah, yeah. Whereas I find this, you know, this ignites the spirit in me to get out of bed and I love the work and I come home and go, that was a good day today.
1: Which, which, you know, brings us to that, that finishing point where there's lots of ways to get paid and sometimes getting paid from the feelings that you get is, um, is equally as important as you know getting paid you know in money
0: and what i like is we get paid for both (laughs) exactly (laughs) thank you my friend thank you thank you very much (laughs) thanks for listening to the gap podcast we've now developed the essentials package for advisors it's the collateral's video and training for you to work in this high net wealth space Also we're running a course for those who want to work with significant families and significant individuals. For more information go to thegaf.com.au